Thanks for listening to the Get Over Yourself podcast brought to you by Carol Fit Stationary Bike Program 8-Minute Workouts to Get Super Fit. Perfect Keto, the cleanest, highest potency ketone supplements. MOFO, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone. Let's get checked at home testing kits. Try lgc.com. Almost heaven, beautiful compact home use sauna kits. Brad's macadamia masterpiece, the mind-blowing nut butter blend. And check out bradkerns.com slash shop my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance. And here we go with the show. So if we start to bring recovery to center stage and central focus, and all your workouts are organized around the most prominent goal of balancing stress and rest and recovering successfully, that's when you can make uh, some great breakthroughs best way to recover from high intensity training is JFW, just freaking walk. You're going to increase your blood circulation, you're going to boost your lymphatic function, and you're going to help with uh, fat metabolism, all kinds of other benefits from walking and speeding the recovery in comparison to sitting down uh, on the couch and uh, chowing down ice cream. Studies show that any type of nature is effective to help get this calming effect Even nature imagery has been shown to have an effect. Simulated nature experiences. So that means if you get a little mini fountain at your desk and you can hear that running water during your hectic workday, or put a poster up of your favorite place in nature, or even a screensaver can still have a calming effect. Hey, it's MoFo, mission number nine. Slow down and reclaim the lost art of downtime. Yes, we have quite a few assignments on this one because we've been going, going, going like crazy, forgetting about the urgent need to balance stress and rest of all forms in modern life. So we're going to get right into it, talking about first, recovery-based training exercise schedule, getting your brain the adequate downtime it needs from hyperconnectivity and information overload, spending time in nature, getting good at napping, taking frequent breaks from peak cognitive function, engaging in some mindfulness practices, and finally indulging in the wonderful world of temperature therapy, both hot and cold. So let's talk about basing your exercise program, your training around recovery rather than having recovery be an afterthought. And so this requires a philosophical shift in the mindset of most fitness enthusiasts away from things like striving for a consistent application of exercise stress, trying to keep your weekly miles up at a good average, or increase your frequency of appearances at the gym as if that was the end all to measure success as an athlete, as a fitness enthusiast. So it's important to inject the element of intuition into your uh, training patterns. And when you're pumped up and you're excited and you're feeling great, you go ahead and push yourself and achieve a breakthrough workout, a fitness breakthrough. And when you feel flat or uh, unmotivated, lacking motivation, you got to go with that sometimes and not force yourself and punish yourself with this struggle and suffer mindset that has permeated the fitness industry for decades. So finally, we're seeing the great leaders and advanced thinkers uh, getting away from this 
struggle and suffer, no pain, no gain mindset and embrace some advanced strategies that are focused on recovery and taking better care of the body. Uh, so this idea that you can leave a little bit in the tank at all times, like just perform below your level of capability to preserve health, preserve your positive attitude and your desire to train. That's what Dr. Kelly Starrett uh, recognizes as the single best uh, marker of uh, recovery and readiness is just the person's individual uh, motivation level desire to train. I know we have to uh, sometimes buckle down and get out the door or prioritize exercise when we're busy and can easily pass when it's a, a cold day outside or whatever the uh, the boundaries are, the barriers to you just getting out there and getting the job done. But I think once you get out the door and get going with your workout, it's really important to inject that intuitive uh, factor in there and realize those times when you really shouldn't be pushing yourself. I've done so many uh, shows and had so much content on this because it's so important, uh, especially the uh, show dedicated to the concept of hit versus hurt. That's the breakthrough article by Dr. Craig Marker and uh, comparing, contrasting the prevailing approach of high-intensity interval training to a more sensible high-intensity repeat training where you end up with less cellular destruction and recovery time and risk of breakdown when you just take extra rest and perform those explosive efforts in a proper time duration so you're not pushing yourself uh, too hard for too long. And then getting truly explosive and getting the benefits of working that top end uh, more so than uh, pushing yourself through uh, endless number of hit sessions, uh, which a lot of training modalities seem to encourage or are inherent to the type of workout when you go and attend uh, a CrossFit session or a group training session or use a personal trainer to work you hard for too long a period of time doing too many repeat efforts such that they're not truly explosive anymore. So if we start to bring recovery to center stage and central focus and all your workouts are organized around the most prominent goal of balancing stress and rest and recovering successfully, that's when you can make uh, some great breakthroughs. Uh, I love the message from Dr. Phil Maffetone and also from the MMA trainer Firas Zahabi when he appeared on Joe Rogan uh, about uh, not getting sore. So both of those guys assert straight up that you should not be getting sore after workouts. Uh, what's always been seen as a badge of honor, and even some people mistakenly believe that uh, soreness is a catalyst for muscle growth. So if you want to get bigger, you have to get sore after the workout. That's been strongly disproven and called out uh, very precisely by Dr. John Jaquish, who was a guest on the podcast and inventor of the X3 bar. His new book, which is titled Weight Training is a Waste of Time and So is Cardio, he details in there how muscle soreness is not a catalyst for growth and the protein synthesis that occurs after these workouts is dedicated to repair at the expense of growth. So there's absolutely no need to get sore after workouts in the name of increasing fitness. Oh my gosh, what a great revelation. I get sore so frequently from doing my deadlifts and lifting the heavy bar because uh, I'm not super well adapted to that stuff. And the idea that I can back off and put less weight on and still get 
the same or better benefits, uh, that's really nice to know. Just keep it in the t- keep a little bit in the tank. Okay, so that's on the on the high end and restructuring those high intensity workouts appropriately. But also, just as important is this idea of taking easier, easy days. Okay, so an easy day often turns into a medium day, especially if you're highly motivated, goal-oriented, which most uh, fitness enthusiasts are, especially if you work out with a, a group energy element in there where you're getting lively, you're going a little faster, even though you promised it was going to be an easy day. And that's the kind of stuff that can really crater you because the body's craving rest. Of course, you can reach into the well and get psyched and turn the music on loud in your earbuds or whatever you're doing. Uh, to deliver another impressive workout, especially when you're still inflamed from a previous high intensity or difficult session of any kind. And then you're in this kind of stress hormone buzz and you don't feel the pain and discomfort until later. And so there you did uh, three difficult workouts in the week instead of one or one and a half would be the better average over the long term, just hypothetically speaking. So when it's time to go easy, make sure that you go really, really easy. Um, you can complete an entire workout where all you're doing is basically things like warm-up drills, dynamic stretches, um, things like a positive deadlift and then dropping the weight down onto a rubber pad or onto a grassy surface, right? So you're not getting the eccentric contraction, the one that promotes muscle soreness, uh, things like that. Uh, A lot of people are constantly asking for permission to increase their math heart rate by five or 10 beats for whatever reason, and uh, being so frustrated that they're limited to the, uh, the the limit number on their maximum aerobic heart rate, the 180 minus your age number. But I want you to uh, recognize, acknowledge that uh, when I was training as an elite athlete, I would routinely perform workouts that were 20, 30, or even 50 beats below my maximum aerobic heart rate. You still get a fantastic training effect. Uh, for me, it was pedaling around on the flat uh, the flatlands, uh, you know, with a, a exercise heart rate of 100 or 110 beats per minute, but working on my pedal stroke, working on my cardiovascular without creating more muscle damage and allowing me to recover from the more difficult workouts. So the aerobic engine is trained at all intensities below maximum aerobic heart rate very nicely. So, for example, most runners uh, that are sub-elite level that are going, let's say, slower than a 245 or a three-hour marathon, which is 99% of them by the statistics of the finishing of the major marathons of the world, most runners would be well-served to put a significant percentage of their training sessions into the category of jogging and brisk walking, jogging and brisk walking, uh, switching back and forth and keeping that heart rate really low. Because even jogging, routine jogging, even if you think it's uh, pretty uh, insignificant, uh, not much strain, the heart rate will still get up and around maximum aerobic heart rate just from a, a comfortable jog. And uh, comparison to an elite athlete, uh, Galen Rupp, the great American marathoner, or uh, Yulid Kipchoge, who I did a breather show on, um, you know, their easy day might be a six-minute mile. But relatively speaking, that's a jog walk for you and I and the other mere mortals. So don't be afraid to slow things down with a much slower pace, lower heart rate, as well as shorter duration. And then that is a great complement to the difficult stuff. So higher highs and lower lows, really. Um, Realize that 
increasing all forms of general everyday movement is probably the centerpiece of recovery. The best way to recover from high-intensity training is JFW, just freaking walk. You're going to increase your blood circulation, you're going to boost your lymphatic function, and you're going to help with uh, fat metabolism, all kinds of other benefits from walking and speeding the recovery in comparison to sitting down uh, on the couch and uh, chowing down ice cream. Uh, I want to discuss the incredible benefits of red light therapy and how you can get started with Mito Red Light. Mito, like mitochondria, red light makes the premier light therapy devices in the world and at incredibly affordable prices. I stand in front of my Mito Pro 1500 unit every morning, carefully exposing my eyeballs, other important balls, and my entire body to special wavelengths of red and near-infrared light. When I tell people about my daily devotion to red light therapy, they typically ask, does this stuff really work? And the answer is yes, and there are thousands of studies supporting its effectiveness. Here's how. It's called photobiomodulation where specific wavelengths of red and near-infrared light, red's visible, near-infrared is not visible, that's why it looks like only half of your panel's working, these wavelengths help mitochondria in cells throughout your body produce more energy and clear waste products more efficiently. Red light exposure helps mobilize nitric oxide trapped in the mitochondria and allows oxygen to return to the cell and increase ATP production. The benefits are proven again and again for skin health, muscle recovery, joint pain, and numerous inflammatory conditions. Red light therapy is also beneficial for circadian rhythm alignment because we generally get far too little direct sunlight and too much indoor blue light from screens and light bulbs at the wrong times. You don't hear much about this benefit of red light therapy, but when I turn on those lights, first thing in the morning. As soon as I wake up, I walk across the hall, I stand in front of the panels, and I feel instantly awake and energized. And believe me, there's a lot of days where Mr. Health Guy here wakes up feeling a little groggy and a little whiny, like I don't want to right get up now and get into my morning exercise routine. But when I stand in front of the lights, in one minute, I swear I feel wide awake. I get all that grogginess out naturally. It's super powerful, super effective, besides all the healing and the cellular benefits. I also love it for being a natural wake-up machine. You have to try red light therapy. I am certain that you will become a devoted user. And guess what? Mito Red Light offers a 60-day no-risk trial period and a special 5% discount for BRAD podcast listeners. Just visit mitoredlight, M-I-T-O, redlight.com, and use the code BRAD on any of their products. Go for it today and get started on your red light journey. Uh, the third uh, suggestion in this category of emphasizing recovery-based training is to introduce these uh, unique rebound-style workouts as coined by the noted MMA trainer and coach up in the Kirkland, Washington area by the name of Joel Jameson. His website, 8weeksout.com, the number 8weeksout.com. 
implying eight weeks before the uh, the title bout, uh, since he helped so many fighters. Uh, but he created this interesting workout protocol called a rebound workout. And he's a pioneer in HRV measurement, as he has been doing so for a couple decades, far before it became uh, popular commercial use with the apps and the chest straps. He was using these big devices to track HRV. And the effectiveness of rebound workouts to actually speed recovery in comparison to total rest has been validated by his HRV data. So the idea here is when you're, you know, really in recovery mode, you're pretty tired from previous workouts or busy life, you can head into the gym or at home and go through these sequences that help to uh, promote parasympathetic dominance and accelerated recovery. And it involves things like dynamic stretching, uh, mobility and flexibility drills, maybe laying on the ground, foam rolling, deep breathing exercises. All of these serve to boost blood circulation and oxygen delivery without stressing the body. And then uh, also unique and interesting is this idea that you can conduct some very brief bursts of high-intensity effort uh, to stimulate a sympathetic response, but then because you end so quickly, uh, you get what's called a rebound parasympathetic response. So for example, if you get on a stationary bike, you want to do no impact to make sure that this is a uh, fully recovery nurturing session. So you get on a stationary bike and let's say do a sprint effort that lasts only six seconds and then you rest for 60 seconds in between doing a half a dozen of these little bursts. And so that little burst will cause a tiny uh, fight-or-flight sympathetic response. And then as you relax after the effort, you will trigger this rebound parasympathetic response. And you can get good at honing this skill in everyday life if you can do it uh, during your workout. So if you can teach yourself to lower your heart rate, calm your breathing, return to balanced state, that's really effective when you're having a stressful day at the office. Okay, so that's a recovery-based training program as opposed to the struggle and suffer, no pain, no gain type of exercise program. And then we go on to category number two of rest and downtime. And that's giving your brain a rest from this hyperconnectivity and information overload that we face every single day. First and foremost uh, on this list would be a meditation practice, obviously, teaching yourself to teaching yourself the skill of quieting the brain. And if you're not quite big on that, you can even use your exercise sessions uh, as a form of meditation. And this would entail getting out there without the uh, podcast or the music going into your ears. A lot of time of my exercise, I'm listening to podcasts because that's my chance to catch up. Uh, but sometimes it's great to just listen to nature. And we're talking definitely about getting outdoors and engaging in a natural environment as superior to uh, doing a stationary bike ride or something indoors. Next, I want to give a strong recommendation for developing a winning morning routine. You create a template and repeat it every single day so you have minimal need for creativity or willpower. You just get up and this is what you do every single day. And it could be anything. Uh, you've probably heard me talk about my uh, increasingly elaborate, sophisticated and challenging flexibility, mobility, yoga, core and leg strengthening routine that started out at 12 minutes and now it's up to around 35 minutes every single morning, the first thing I do. But maybe it could be uh, walking the dog around the block for you. 
So leash the animal up. The animal deserves at least that from you. If you agree to be a pet owner, you got to do it right and get out there into uh, direct sunlight, open space, fresh air as the first thing you do every day. You can also make it uh, some entries in your gratitude journal. If you wake up slowly and would rather sit in bed for the first 10 minutes of your day, at least do something that's advocating for your own health and well-being rather than what do 84% of Americans do the very first thing every single day? That's right. Reach for their personal mobile device. And as soon as you look at that screen, you are transitioning your brain function into reactive mode rather than the preferred high-level thinking, reasoning, strategic, uh, relaxed morning mode where you're maybe doing your best thinking and just getting your head clear for the busy day ahead. So do whatever you can to resist the temptation of reaching for that phone and implement something else that can help your fitness or help your mental health. Uh, There's also the absolute urgent necessity to organize your workday to engage in periods of deep work. And you can listen to my breather show on the topic of Cal Newport's book of the same title. So getting into this deep work is essential for your career success, your sense of satisfaction from uh, doing your job and getting away from this uh, constant distractibility and low cognitive function that we seem to drift into because we've been hit with uh, too many distractions when we're trying to focus. Uh, The brain gets way more tired trying to manage your text messages and your email inbox all day long as it would if you were to shut that stuff off for, let's say, a 60 or a 90 minute period so that you could uh, finish writing your report or doing your uh, deepest and most uh, impactful, highest expression of your talents in the workplace. So deep work periods, devising a morning routine, uh, getting into some meditation or some exercise type meditation. If you can't do real meditation, that's how to give your brain downtime from hyperconnectivity. Number three on this wonderful list is to make sure that you spend as much time as possible in nature. The ultimate way to de-stress and rebalance and recover from hectic high-stress modern life. There's some professors at University of Michigan, the Kaplan's a married couple, and they promote this concept called attention restoration theory as a way of recovering from what they call the directed attention fatigue of the nonstop information bombardment of modern times. So what happens when you are bombarded with unrelenting stimulation is that you get pushed into sympathetic fight-or-flight dominance. What happens eventually is these mechanisms kind of wear out because fight or flight was meant to be a brief mechanism to help you run away from the uh, approaching saber-toothed tiger, what have you, in the evolutionary sense. So when we go, go, go all day long, we eventually become cranky and irritable. The antidote is time in nature. Nature allows for a passive engagement by the senses. You know when we say the term, take it in, soak it in, that's what's happening is passive engagement of all of our senses. And when we can engage passively, instead of being forced to concentrate on the honking horn or the beeping of the text message back in uh, urban life or a hectic high-stress workday, 
When we engage passively with nature, we experience a drop in cortisol, blood pressure, and heart rate. We chill out immediately. There's a neuroscience professor named Michael Merzenich, and he explains, quote, our attraction to the ocean, for example, may derive from its lack of physical markers. Looking over a calm sea is akin to closing our eyes. The Kaplans call engaging with nature fascination, nature fascination. And the more grand and spectacular the setting, the greater the fascination level. So when you show up at Yosemite and hike the short hike to the base of El Capitan and look up 4,000 feet at what Alex Honnold did without ropes, oh my gosh, you are fascinated as you ever can be in your life. Same with when you show up to Niagara Falls and push your way through the crowd and look over and see the amazing wonder of the natural world, the Grand Canyon sailing in the ocean, swimming in Lake Tahoe. Oh, my. So you know how you read in literature or watch in the movies about how you're just a tiny speck of dust on this giant planet in the great galaxy? That's when you can really feel it, when you're out there engaging with the grandiosity of nature. Your problems don't seem as big when you come back, do they? And you know what? That's great if you can get to El Capitan or Niagara Falls. Uh, but studies show that any type of nature is effective to help get this calming effect, even even nature imagery has been shown to have an effect, simulated nature experiences. So that means if you get a little mini fountain at your desk and you can hear that running water during your hectic workday, or put a poster up of your favorite place in nature, or even a screensaver can still have a calming effect. Wow. Okay. Hey, I want to tell you about Schwank Grills. This is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank portable infrared grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken wings, hamburgers, seafood, lobster, vegetables. I make salmon in three minutes. They even have a pizza stone accessory. I want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-K. Everything you cook, faster, juicier. The speed is so important, so convenient. Uh, there's a drip tray on the bottom, so you let the juices drip down. I love the bison burger, the venison burgers. That's my game. And then you can add a mixture of butter, spices, whatever you want into the tray. Pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor. Are you getting hungry? I am. <laughs> Let's go to schwankgrills.com, S-C-H-W-A-N-K, grills.com, and up your home cooking game. This is a one-of-a-kind grill. I have a great discount code for you, of course. It's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. Okay, next on the list is napping. Oh, wonderful napping, the forgotten superpower of the human. Did you know that in just 20 minutes, you can refresh the sodium-potassium pumps in your brain neurons so you will go from literally 
feeling fried because the electrical circuitry that operates your brain is depleted and you will go from feeling fried to re-energized in a short time if you can get good at napping. And I declare myself a professional in this area because I've had a ton of practice. It started when I was an athlete and it was part of our training uh, protocol to take a two-hour nap every afternoon. I can't say I'm that deep into it anymore in real life, uh, but you know, learning that skill and placing great importance on getting away from whatever you're doing during that natural circadian dip that you experience in the afternoon anyway can, I believe, pay off wonderfully great research to support this, that you'll be more productive, more efficient after you lose that 20 minutes or 30 minutes of time that's so precious since you're so busy and so important you can't get away from uh, whatever important work. You'll regain that through increased efficiency rather than losing control of your motivation, discipline, and focus because you haven't had enough proper breaks throughout the day. So uh, through practice, and I love using my app called Rainmaker Pro or any uh, natural sound app that you can turn on your phone. When I push the button and light up this app, it's like a trigger to my brain that it's time to go to sleep. And I can very easily fall asleep now when I need to take an afternoon nap. So if I experience the slightest disturbance in peak cognitive function during those afternoon hours, I am down for a 20-minute nap, no questions asked. Can't say it happens every day. A lot of days I feel great. Or I'm uh, too busy or engaged. But if I have those lulls, especially if I've been concentrating hard, a nap is a big winner. So if you want to get started down this wonderful path, go find a quiet spot away from your work environment. Uh, it might even be your car in the parking lot if you can't get a good spot. A lot of people are working at home these days, so they have way more flexibility. And if you're listening right now thinking you're one of those people that can't really nap or doesn't really need to nap, please note that Dr. David Dingus, a sleep expert at the University of Pennsylvania Medical School, has done laboratory studies on all kinds of uh, the effects of sleep affecting neurobehavior, cognitive, immune, inflammatory, endocrine, metabolic, and genetic function estimates that 15 to 20% of the population, one in five people, are highly sensitive. In other words, they are really, really needing a nap uh, due to their genetics. He calls them closet nappers because some of them are not officially going down for the nap, but they lose so much productivity that they absolute necessity uh, to get that into their lifestyle. Dr. Sarah Mednick, a Harvard-trained psychologist who's currently studying sleep at UC Riverside, wrote a great book called Take a Nap, Change Your Life estimates that up to 50% of the population is genetically predisposed to napping. So, hey, could be you. Why don't you go test it out and at least give yourself a fighting chance at becoming a good napper. Uh, the key element of a nap is you have to rest your head. So those are the rules. Anywhere where you can rest your head, even if you put your head down on your desk or on your tray when you're flying on an airplane, uh, get, getting into that routine can be really helpful. Uh, that's number four of our suggestions, napping. So we have recovery-based training, taking downtime from hyperconnectivity, spending time in nature, getting good at napping. Next on the list is frequent breaks from peak cognitive function. Research shows that we are only capable of focusing on a peak cognitive task for about 20 minutes before we experience a lull or a need to disengage and uh, refocus, regenerate for a little bit. So there's great cause for taking a one to two minute break every 20 minutes. 
Many optometrists, ophthalmologists recommend a 20-20-20 drill where every 20 minutes you stare at a distant object 20 feet away for 20 seconds to help stretch those eye muscles out that have been put into a fixed contraction to stare at your screen for long periods of time, thereby straining them and setting you up for uh, vision problems and Uh, impaired vision over time. Listen to my podcast with Jake Steiner, who started endmyopia.org and has a wonderful, radical approach to improve your eyesight without glasses by giving your eyes a little bit of challenge and making them work rather than just throwing on glasses and essentially putting your eyes in a cast. Very interesting stuff. It's been an eye-opener for me. And since the date of that podcast, which is now over a month ago, I have not used my glasses at all. I just uh, increased the uh, screen size on my computer and I feel great. So uh, taking that 20-minute, taking a break one to two minutes every 20, Uh, to look at a distant object 20 feet away for 20 seconds. On the hour, it's very good suggestion to take a five-minute break. Again, we're trying to maintain peak cognitive performance, be sharp, uh, disciplined against distraction, not watching that mouse uh, hover over to the YouTube video instead of continuing to work, but it's physically impossible to just grind for hours and hours without a break. So a five-minute movement break every hour, essential to maintain healthy blood and oxygen delivery to the brain, maintain healthy fat metabolism so you don't suffer a drop in energy, drop in blood sugar, and accordant cravings for more food. And so that five-minute break, if you can just get up and take a stroll around the office courtyard or your home environment and then get back in the chair or hopefully the stand-up, sit-down, workplace variation that you've set up, that will pay off in droves over time with increased productivity, increased focus, and less exhaustion at the end of the workday. Who took advantage of this more than anybody I know is my main man, Dude Spellings, frequent podcast guest on Primal Blueprint as well as this show. And he decided uh, to recognize the closing of his gym at the start of quarantine, uh, that he would set a computer alarm to beep on the hour during his eight-hour workday. And he resolved to every hour do 30 push-ups, 10 pull-ups, and 20 squats. This takes less than five minutes, right? You got to be in pretty good shape to do that. Uh, it's a very impressive little uh, little spurt there, but certainly not out of the realm of, of most uh, fit specimens. But doing it on the hour for months and months on end, eight times a day. So that's 240 push-ups, 80 pull-ups, and 160 squats if you're counting. Guess what? At the age of 50, in the time where most people's fitness regimens have been disrupted, Dude Spellings reports that he's in his best shape ever. The pride of Austin, Texas. What a great example of making the most of a movement break every hour. So micro-workout, obviously a great suggestion for your hourly breaks, uh, but try to get creative and engage the brain in different ways. Maybe you can shoot some wastebasket hoops. Uh, if you have a putter, hit a few putts in your office like the, uh, the CEO uh, in the movies, or uh, get outside. I love to get outside on my slack line, even if it's for a two or three minute stint, working on my balance and just completely transitioning uh, from staring at a screen. So 
all kinds of fun ideas to mix it up a little bit throughout the workday. Yes, you're allowed. Okay. And then with this one to two minute break every 20 minutes, a five minute break every hour, we also want to take a major midday break where you can really get refreshed and rejuvenated, go out and get some fresh air, sunlight, uh, a nice meal, maybe a more uh, ambitious workout if that's your time that you prefer to work out, but just a really nice transition away from uh, the fixed position that most of us are doing when we're in the uh, knowledge working, working with computer. Okay. And then uh, finally, in this same category of taking frequent breaks, uh, we want to have a nice wind down period in the evening where we're away from all kinds of screens. So uh, working on a screen all day and then indulging in Netflix at night, you're certainly allowed to do that. You certainly deserve to do that. And that passive entertainment is less stressful to the brain than, for example, using your evening hours to catch up on email. Uh, So you're allowed to watch shows. I would definitely stay away from uh, that proactive cognitive function like catching up on work. Uh, But ideally, especially in the final hour before bed, uh, hopefully the final two hours, you want to get away from all screens and do things like socializing, walking that same dog that you walked in the morning for another walk around the block, uh, doing some writing in your journal, uh, easy reading, things like that. Okay, then we get into The next suggestion is engaging in some mindfulness practices. Uh, best and easiest way to get started is to uh, sign up and take some formal classes in Tai Chi or yoga or even meditation. And you can also do this uh, remotely these days. So there's no barrier to entry. If you want to learn Tai Chi, fire up YouTube. Same with yoga, same with meditation. You can get the wonderful apps that facilitate uh, meditation that many people are uh, loving and helping them get really uh, focused and uh, more expert about it. Uh, Another mindful this practice would be just writing in a gratitude journal every day and, you know, taking the time, taking a break, getting some downtime, refreshment, recovery, uh, reevaluating your uh, values and your vision. If you're filled with stress and anxiety, that's a great quote from Dave Rossi. When you experience stress and anxiety, redirect your mindset, redirect your energy toward your values and your vision. And a gratitude journal helps with that a lot. So getting a little bit of mindfulness into your busy schedule is a good idea. And finally... A little plug for temperature therapy. We've talked about the sauna and how you can achieve an instant parasympathetic stimulation in there, instant relaxation, no matter what's been going on before you step in that door. Ah, the blissful experience of the sauna. And I've talked a lot about cold therapy. I have an entire show you can listen to there. Uh, But it's a similar idea to that rebound effect from the rebound workout is, of course, you get that fight or flight uh, stimulation as soon as you jump into uh, the very cold water. But as soon as you get out, your body is in the process of rebounding, recapturing, recalibrating, returning to homeostasis, and it's an extremely relaxing experience to recover and rewarm from a cold plunge. You're filled with gratitude and appreciation, so it's a shortcut to your gratitude journal. Oh my gosh, am I glad to be out of that freezing cold water and get this towel around me? Ah, how nice. Okay, so the... um, 
probably the the ultimate here in this category would be contrast therapy. That's where you go hot and cold, hot and cold. Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese have popularized this with their fire and ice sessions at their home setup. You can probably uh, find them on YouTube doing fire and ice. Uh, Sisson's a big fan too. And what he likes to do is go into the sauna uh, for 10 minutes to warm up and then go five to seven minutes into a cold pool that's in the uh, in the 40s, I believe. And then after that, rewarm for five minutes in the spa. Uh, I usually do my temperature therapy independently because I want that morning cold plunge to be uh, part of the regimen and not necessarily needing to go into the sauna afterward. So an isolated cold therapy experience is my uh, daily routine. And of course, I like to take the sauna at maybe a different time. Uh, if it's a, a chilly afternoon or I'm finished working out or uh, whatever the time period is. But if you can really dedicate some time or make it a social experience. Oh, the contrast therapy is fantastic. I love going into my mom's pool in the wintertime in Los Angeles because the water gets down to about 54. And then you have the adjacent uh, spa, the, the small area that gets up to 104. So you get in that spa, you're having fun, you're visiting, you jump over the wall, do a couple laps in 54 degrees, get right back in. And if you do that numerous times, if you go back and forth five or six times, oh my goodness, by the time you get out, you are completely and totally relaxed. Great thing to do right before bed. So number nine, slowing down and reclaiming the lost art of downtime. We have in the first suggestion was uh, building your exercise program, your training program around the central focus of recovery with easier, easy days, with keeping something in the tank and not getting sore with these crazy workouts and introducing these specially designed rebound workouts. Uh, the next was getting that downtime for your brain from hyperconnectivity. Uh, getting started with meditation would be ideal. Uh, doing meditative type workouts, uh, designing a morning routine, and dedicating periods and creating periods uh, of deep work during the workday. Next, number three on the list was spending time in nature to recover from directed attention fatigue with nature fascination get out there and do it. Whatever you got near you will suffice. Number four is getting good at napping. 20-minute nap, refresh the sodium potassium pumps in your brain, starts firing better. You have a more productive afternoon. Get good at it. Start practicing at it. Most of us need it and we just don't recognize it because we haven't created the environment. We haven't placed ourselves in a winning environment to become good nappers. Uh, number five is to take frequent breaks from peak cognitive function, a one or two minute break every 20 minutes to work those eyes, look at distant objects, a five minute movement break every hour, a major midday break to get away from it all for a while, and then an evening wind down period away from screens. Number six is to engage in some mindfulness practices, whether it's a formal class like Tai Chi or yoga or meditation, using the apps, working in your gratitude journal, just slowing things down. Maybe it's chopping vegetables for you and thinking about that and nothing else for uh, a few precious minutes. Mia Moore says she thinks washing the dishes is a meditative experience to her because she's just taking her time 
time. Washing the dishes might not be the funnest part of the day, but it's a chance to unwind and breathe and hopefully look out the window at a good view. Okay, and finally, temperature therapy. We get that instant relaxation effect from the sauna. If we do a cold plunge, we have that rebound effect over time where we feel relaxed and chilled out. And of course, contrast therapy going from hot to cold, hot to cold. Wonderful way to relax. Thank you for listening and taking on the MoFo mission number nine. Thank you for listening to the show. We would love your feedback at getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And we would also love if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a hassle. You have to go to desktop iTunes, click on the tab that says ratings and reviews, and then click to rate the show anywhere from five to five stars. And it really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and get over themselves, because they need to. Thanks for doing it.